0: Hi, and welcome to the human side of business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The human side of business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi there. This is Ange McCabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance, where our business is the success of your business. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, facilitator, and your co host, along with Scott Rust, of the Elevate Business Podcast. The Elevate Business Podcast is a journey of discovery fueled by curiosity to genuinely understand what makes people tick when it comes to their professional path, choices made, and the personal characteristics that drive performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately success. The Elevate Business Podcast is here to promote the enormous contribution of small and medium sized businesses around the world. By exploring the actions that make a workplace successful, the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of an organization, and how we build whole person leaders from the ground up. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, growing our learning edges, and honoring our passions with a special guest who has elevated their businesses, overcome obstacles, and inspires others to do the same. So glad you're here. Hi, and a warm welcome to the Elevate Business Podcast. Both myself and McCabe and Scott Russ are your hosts. We have the pleasure of introducing you to Doug Tennant, and he is the Chief Executive Officer of Unity, a partnership of three non for profit organizations Samiamu, Post Society, Peninsula Estates Housing Society, and the Samiamu Foundation. He is a strong believer that creativity develops spaces where people of different abilities can thrive together and has a master of education with a focus on innovation in the arts. He has been actively involved in the community living movement for the past 30 years as a parent, a worker, and a volunteer with many years of governance experience on the non-for-profit and charitable boards. Welcome, Doug. So glad you're here.
1: Well, really happy to be here, Ange and Scott, and looking forward to talking with you today.
0: That's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about your role and your journey.
1: Yeah, so, and and you've covered a a bit of it uh, at the start there, um, but Unity is the partnership of three not-for-profit organizations. And I've been involved with them since 2001. I, I spent 10 years as a board member. Um, and uh, when my term ran out, uh, I thought I was kind of done, And uh, but the executive director at the time uh, retired and and uh, headhunters came to me and, and and I was hired as the uh, chief executive officer of the three organizations. Now, the reason that I'm involved in community living, the organizations that, that I run uh, support people with intellectual disabilities and acquired brain injuries to be fully included in their communities. Um, I have a stepdaughter, Krista, who, um, who I met when she was three, and she has Down syndrome. And, and so she's 33 now. Um, so that was 30 years ago. And, and so I was involved as a, as a volunteer. And I even worked uh, when I was younger with uh, teens that had disabilities as well. Mm. Um, I became a teacher, and I spent 17 years as a high school teacher and administrator uh, before shifting over to the community living field where um, my passions kind of matched up with the work that I do right now. So I can make a significant difference in the lives of people with uh, intellectual disabilities um, who have throughout history, um, been excluded from being full participants in the, in the community. And, it, and it's really important that uh, I and my organization supports them to be not just participants, but actually leaders in, in the issues that uh, involve them the most
2: mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's fantastic, Doug. And I always love to see when uh, there's like a story behind the passion uh, around what you bring and talking about the, the person in your life that kind of grew up with Down syndrome and how that influenced you as an educator, and then finding that cross, uh, working at Semiahu House uh, and everything along those lines. Um, I'd be curious, just as you, you know, you're working as a board of direct, on the board of directors, and then as you were kind of heading out the door, somebody they roped you back in to come in as the CEO there. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your experience uh, starting to be more at the executive level rather than the board level, and how you've kind of supported your team as a leader.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's it, it, that's a very good question. And I was actually gone for a year, so it wasn't okay. immediate. It was I actually thought, okay, I'm I've done my time, <laughs> and uh, you know I'll contribute in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, uh, the boards of uh, the three organizations are very strong policy governance boards. And so um, they understand uh, the role that they have, which is to create the mission or the ends of the organization. And then the role of the CEO is to achieve those with the staff team. And uh, so I kind of chuckle sometimes because when I was the chair of the board and on the board, we had some really great ideas about what needed to happen and then When I became CEO, I had to make those things happen. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) there uh, was—I was fully (laughs) accountable uh, for for uh, ensuring those things happened that that were talked about at the board level. Mm -hmm. The um, the significant difference is again, as a on a board, it's your vision, it's your ability to process ideas and to discuss and to. Consult with your owners, who we've defined as members of the community. Mm-hmm. As a CEO, your job is to to do things, to make things physically happen, um, and and the accountability there is is very strong uh, because um, you either do it. Or you don't do it, and and uh, and it's very clear if you're not being successful in achieving the ends of the organization. Um, and that's and I think I'll talk about this a little bit later on. But one of the one of the things that we've done a good job at uh, unity is to sort of do a full circle uh, accountability where the board, myself, staff members, and even the people with disabilities we support all partake in ensuring that we are achieving uh, the mission or the ends of our organizations.
0: Mm, that's really interesting in the sense of you know the mind shift that would have to take place moving from board of directors to that executive director ED role. Uh, when it comes to leadership specifically, how would you identify with regards to your leadership style and how it's grown since?
1: I I have the belief that people have different roles but equal value. So mm. my leadership style is not hierarchical. um, Clearly, at some point, I need to make decisions and I don't hesitate to make those decisions. And in fact, I would say that um, one thing that uh, I do a good job of is I will make a decision. And Mm. especially during COVID and all that that was going on, making the decision was a really important thing to do, whether it was right or wrong. But my leadership style is, again, different roles equal value. So the people that are part of the leadership team and throughout the organizations, um, I value them as human beings to be equal to anybody else. And the other part of it is that I also value their strengths and try to ensure that they're able to display their strengths, whatever they are, um, as part of the leadership team or as part of the staff team. And so We do spend a lot of time kind of looking at like, well, what are the people's strengths and how can we ensure that they're able to follow their passion, that's important, but also follow their strengths and and not be put in a position where they'll fail just because that role said that this was an important part of that role, but we can shift those roles to match the person if that's necessary. Um, And then looking at the whole team, making sure the team itself, uh, all the parts together uh, make a, you know, kind of a stronger whole than individuals. Uh, and that's also because of the support that we have each for each other, as well as mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, um, I'm happy when people make mistakes because I make mistakes. And it's important to, to to work in an environment where you're not afraid of making mistakes because right. you're never going to really meet or or reach your potential if you're holding back because you're afraid of making mistakes. And mm-hmm. that's different than like keeping people safe. Um, but being able to be creative and to try things out means that you will make mistakes. And we kind of have to welcome that as an organization, as as part of moving forward.
0: Exactly. And I can see, Doug, that, that Scott is highly anticipating his next question for you. I see it brewing there. But I just wanted to... Po- oh, sorry. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> Go uh, I just wanted to pause for a second because you have a very important message, especially in today's environment and world, Doug, that... We can't hear it enough that mistakes are okay because nine times out of 10, you have absolutely no clue as to what's going on with that person, you know, um, from a whole person perspective, right? So having an environment that's safe to fail is extremely important. And again, um, you know, if there's anything that we can do from a a podcasting perspective, is to spread that message that it's really important to to be able to have open uh, office or workplace environments where we can try new things um, and understand that people are genuinely trying to show up uh, for the leadership team and the initiatives that they're looking to push forward. So I appreciate you for sharing that message.
1: Yeah, and just to add a little piece to that too, I would say that there's a uh, one of the uh, best board chairs that I worked under, at a fellow called Matt Outen, um, said, and I've, I use this now as my own, perfection is the enemy of good. I think a <laughs> lot of things do not happen because you wait for perfection. And I know with some of the projects that we've been successful at, it's been like, no, we're just gonna continue forward. It mm. will work out. We're gonna continue mm. forward. If we'd waited for perfection, some things like the the apartment that we built, the first purpose-built rental apartment in 30 years in the city of Surrey, uh, chorus that we built, it wouldn't have happened if we had said, Oh, well, we're gonna wait for perfection until we've got everything figured out. No, we needed right. to keep going forward. And so making mistakes or trying just for perfection, I think holds people back. You move mm. forward when You're not afraid of making mistakes. And you also realize that perfection, you know, good might be better than perfect in this case.
0: Exactly, and Scott, I'm I'm sure you can chime in here too. From a coach approach perspective, when we're working with clients, oftentimes it comes down to how they're internalizing these types of things. So already they have a layer of their own expectations of perfectionism, and it can range from, you know, all the ways from analysis to paralysis um, to imposter syndrome to you know just uh, a bit of self sabotage or maybe just even picking at at our own selves. So, again, having that safe environment is really important because we're all showing up at the table with high expectations of ourselves. And being able to be in a place where we can be positively validated deflates or decreases stresses around those kind of perfectionism or self sabotage that we can have out there for ourselves.
2: You guys are in a roll. I'm sitting back. Here. I'm okay. <laughs> There is one thing that, that came up, Doug, for me was, um, you know, you talked about uh, perfection being the enemy of, of good mm. and how you mentioned how, you know, what I'm good at making decisions. I can imagine that mantra kind of helps make you good at making decisions.
1: Um, yes. And, and, and again, the idea that um, I might make a mistake, but I, I have a team that is supportive of me Um, but ultimately like it is my accountability my responsibility to do that and I do that always with the input of of the entire team Uh, during COVID again as an example like we met every day every morning Uh, we created a crisis response team met every morning and we were making decisions quickly Um, and I would I would say I'm I'm most of the decisions we made were, were really good decisions and allowed us to stay safe. Whereas if we had waited around for direction from our funder, from government, um, I I really do believe that uh, COVID would have hit the organization much harder than mm. it did. But we were able to mm. like make really quick decisions um, because we knew that it's it's our responsibility, right? Like we can't wait for somebody. We can't, Forgo. So, I guess when you're talking about leadership, I think taking on responsibility is a really important part of that too, and not shirking mm. it and 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 taking it on um, and taking it on on behalf of the team at, at times as well. If you're interacting with uh, people outside of the organization, if if one of your team members has done something that wasn't great or made a mistake, um, you know, not never ever putting down a team member in public. Yeah. Right, like always like, that's my responsibility. Yeah. And I will, I will, I will take that on, on behalf of, of, of the team. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell us more because it, it sounds like an, an, an awesome environment for your team members to thrive. Can you tell us a little bit more around your specific vision, uh, for the team and how you set them up for success to thrive?
1: And, and I should add that I was really fortunate to come into a culture that was already that way. And in fact, I shifted the way that I did things uh, fairly significantly um, in, in, in terms of like uh, I, I actually have one of the directors who she like brings tissue paper. Well, when we were meeting in person more to meetings because people would get emotional and, and quite often like positive emotion. And and I came from a family background with three brothers where you know, you don't really cry. And, and mm. even through the schools that I was at, it, it wasn't an environment where, you know, you could be sort of fully emotive. And, and, and then, so coming to an organization was it, was, it was a very nice shift for me to understand sort of the human emotions and that relationship piece is also important. When, when we talk about the team, um, when I was younger, I played a lot of rugby and I, and I coached rugby as well. And rugby is a sport where you have 15 different positions. You have like a prop who's 280 pounds and, you know, probably can't run that quickly. And then you have a winger who's pretty small and fast, but for their role, they're perfect. So the same thing. And, and when you have a great team, it's when all of those people know their roles and, mm-hmm. and do them and also sacrifice themselves, I guess, a little bit for for other people as well. And so I, I, I kind of look at our, our leadership team in the same way, where we have a lot of diverse uh, people, d- different opinions. Um, but uh, when you look at the strengths, when when we make a decision, there's so many great perspectives that are, that are there, and everybody feels welcome to, to to put their decisions in there. And then once the decision's been made, uh, they're in agreement because they know that they've been heard by myself, but also by other members of the team. Um, so. Yeah, kind of that coaching idea. You guys are coaches, but that idea of, of, of working a team and bringing a team together so that they are valued. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel like they're going to have their chance to have their input. Um, and part of that is also like when you're running a meeting, if you don't allow people to have input, then they're much more likely to kind of jump in. But when they know and they feel safe that at some point in the meeting, they're going to have their chance to have a say, then the meetings are also you know, much more stress-free because people know that they're going to have their opportunity to have their input. So that's kind of a microcosm, I guess. But it, I, I would say that having well-run meetings is a really important part of being a leader. Because uh, if you don't have well-run meetings, then people don't feel like they've had their opportunity to uh, participate.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You brought up something earlier, Doug, about uh, it was specifically around Understanding people's strengths and passions, and this kind of comes back to the analogy of the rugby team, and aligning those strengths and passions with their role. Uh, if we look at it tactically, how do you better understand their strengths and passions, um, like within the organization? What does that look like?
1: So at the uh, frontline level, so the people who directly support people with intellectual disabilities, mm-hmm. um we really uh, want them to, uh, to match with the people that they support. And that involves, like, what are the things that they're interested in? Um, I'll give you an example. So we have a staff member, and he really loves geocaching. Well, you know what? That's, that's kind of an interesting thing that a person with a disability, intellectual disability, might want to learn and do as well. And so one of the classes that was uh, run uh, was a, a geocache, and it was great he was enthusiastic, the people that took that class were enthusiastic. Um, and they learned a lot because they had someone who was passionate about what they were teaching. And, and so throughout the organization, um, you know, I'm always interested when people come forward with like different projects that are uh, about inclusion, and how can we support that to happen. And, and now we do have um, a leadership team that that very much is Uh, trying to be on the cutting edge of supporting people with disabilities to be fully included. And of course, that means that the people with disabilities themselves are part of that team and part of making those decisions and figuring out how to move the organization forward. Um, And uh, the way that we've done this uh, systemically is to um, partner with a a group called the Self Advocates of Semiamu, a group of community leaders who have have intellectual disabilities. Mm -hmm. Um, And on an annual basis, they come into the organization and do very robust consultations about our ends, our mission, asking, are you achieving those ends? Have you Mm -hmm. done it? And then they create uh, recommendations. And uh, one of the, the best, well, actually probably the best day of the year for me at work is when uh, one of the self-advocates of SEMIEMO comes to my office and delivers me a letter saying, these are our recommendations, make sure that you get these things done. That rec- Those recommendations are then shared with the board and the board, uh, remember they're the ones that are creating the mission of the organization in consultations with our owners who we've defined as the community they get those recommendations. Uh, they then say to me, "Okay, you got to make this happen." And then I, uh, inc- with staff, include those recommendations into our strategic directions, and so on an annual. And then that filters down to the different teams to individual mm-hmm. employees how are you, as an individual, how are you going to ensure that these things happen and it all becomes part of the plan? So um, that full cycle on an annual basis um, is something I'm really proud of. And especially uh, the inclusion of people with intellectual disabilities, who that's the work we're doing, um, Mm that they actually are the ones that are judging if we're doing it well or not.
0: That's fantastic. And from an internal perspective, What type of employee supports are there for performance? What does that look like within the organization walls? Um, We've been talking a lot about strategy and recommendations and deploying them and having a great culture, but curious about the performance side of things and, and how that shows up for team members right now.
1: Right. So um, we are an accountability-based management uh, style of, of organization. Um, I would say that that's probably an area where we need to do a little bit more work on. Um, but um, we, we've been doing a lot of work recently on um, direct report meetings and mm-hmm. ensuring that those direct report meetings are meaningful, yes. are tied to the ends, and so they're tied to the strategic directions, but also they're an ongoing means of assessing performance. So from my educational background, I know that report cards are quite often, uh, they can be just like a moment in time, or an exam Mm -hmm. is a moment in time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of annual performance evaluations, which we also do here, um, they end up being well, you know, kind of a moment in time. Mm -hmm. If we can tie that into our direct reports on an ongoing basis, uh, you know, meeting two or three times a month, uh with the objectives that are part of the ends of the organization then it's a much more meaningful process so we're working on that so if you're to say like where are some areas where you need to improve that's an area we definitely need to improve i know that i'm not satisfied with our annual or even biannual um uh performance appraisals mm-hmm. i do, i'm not a big fan of, of that type of appraisal because I really do feel that quite often it's just done as a, as a check off of okay it's done and it's not meaningful because it doesn't account for the ongoing Uh, work that somebody's doing. So by tying it into our direct uh, report meetings, um, I'm hopeful that that will allow us to have a much more meaningful interaction, especially since it's tied into the achievement of the ends of the
0: organization. Mm, Yeah, you said some fantastic things there that I know that we could talk about uh, hours on end, uh, at least at this end, Um, Doug, in the sense of, you know, having your performance conversations not Uh, not only talked about more frequently, but having it tied into your ends or your strategy and making that uh, conversation valuable throughout the whole organization, not just at the top. Um, And then on top of that, you know, identifying what else do our team members need to to get things done? You know, what are the roadblocks? What type of pivots do we need to make? Um, Because I think you alluded to the fact that when it comes to objectives and goals, uh, having them meaningful tied through the throughout the organization, uh, but also fluid, right? Because if we've learned anything from the past uh, eighteen plus months, two years, it's that things don't always go as planned. So in that case, what do we do? Um, and to your point, I, I think you're alluding to the fact that oftentimes our performance systems are a little bit uh, outdated. In the sense of how we're using them, how we're viewing them, and also um, how we're pulling value from them. So it, it sounds like a great track.
1: Yeah, we're we're, we're striving to get there. Um, <laughs> the um, and and technology does help too, right? So we're also trying to create some templates for those direct report right. meetings, uh, which yeah. will will be able to pull information from and 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 things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I do agree with you. The the um, so probably like five years ago our frontline staff would not have known what our ends were just really the board and maybe some senior staff. So by doing that full roundedness and having uh, the people that we support who have intellectual disabilities, uh, a part of the evaluation has, uh, it it makes us accountable because they know what we are supposed to be doing. And they can say to me like, Oh, it says here that, uh, you know, uh, people are leaders. That's one of our ends but what are you doing to ensure that people are leaders? So, um, and our and our frontline staff also know that like the things that they're doing on a day-to-day basis, it mm-hmm. does tie into um, the ends of the organization. So you're absolutely right. Like having everybody having that same, even the language of the ends, a lot of people don't even know what that means, but our whole organization, including the people we support now does. And, and that's really important because everybody then has the same language and the same objectives that they're striving for.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Words matter, right? They, they keep everybody on the same page. Okay. Doug, this has really been a pleasure and uh, I, I know I can speak for both Angie and myself and we always like to ask our guests as we come to a close here, uh, what are three words of inspiration that you'd want the world to hear?
1: Uh, value all people. Um, there's a lot of stereotypes about people with intellectual disabilities that need mm-hmm. to be overcome. And their voice is the one that we need to listen to. And that's what my organization, Unity, works hard to do is support them to not just live good lives, but to be the leaders of uh, their own cause. And so value all people. That's everything from when you're hiring, hire people with disabilities. Uh, When you are creating housing, consider that people with intellectual disabilities are great tenants and they are. So, uh, yeah, Mm. value
2: all people. Mm. We're
0: speechless. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's that's
2: great, Doug. That that really is. That's amazing.
0: So thank you very much, Doug, for joining us today.
1: Great to be here. Really enjoyed my time with both of you.
0: Yes, likewise. And we really appreciate you sharing your entrepreneurial insights as well as leadership uh, direction with intuitive performance and our subscribers. And for those who would like to learn more about Unity, uh, we're going to prepare be providing a company link uh, to our profile page on the Elevate Business Podcast. Take good care. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Business Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe to future podcasts at intuitiveperformance.com, where you can also sign up for webinars and learn more about professional coaching and our facilitation solutions available to help fire up your whole person performance skills and drive actions for success. Until next time, stay true to you and take care of each other. We are all better together. Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter, and learn more about our whole person leadership services. Sounds interesting? Explore the Whole Person Leadership Cohort by Intuity Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.